Today's a Checkpoint Sunday, and Checkpoint Sunday, for those of you who don't know or just need a reminder, is a way that we use to describe the process. People have said for years that we're on a journey of faith, and we've said at Into One what we want to describe it as, we're on a road trip. This is not just about me. I can think of a pathway by myself, but we're not doing that. We're on a road trip, so we're going together. We're on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ. And we're being drawn together into one. And we find hope and freedom in the love of Jesus. That's what we say. That's sort of our mission that we are to be about. That's where we're going. And so periodically on the road trip, we stop. Usually once a month, usually the last Sunday of the month. We call that a checkpoint to see as we go on our road trip where we are. And we stop at that time and we remember, we reevaluate, and we refocus. So we remember what God has done, ancient past, our past choose to put ourselves in the right place, and then we reevaluate we are, where we are. Am I where I want to be today? Am I at the place? No, no, no one else telling you. No one else wagging a finger at you. It's not about a shame thing. It's are you where you would like to be? So we reevaluate. And then before we leave, we say we refocus. So if I'm not where I want to be, if I've, if I've drifted a little bit, we choose to refocus before we go on. That's what a checkpoint is. We do those every Sunday. So if you're at home, we're going to tell you also, um, get ready because we're going to do communion in a little bit. So if you need to get those elements prepared, prepare them now. Today is a special day. We have special checkpoints periodically, and this one is a landmark. Landmarks are bigger deals than checkpoints. Landmarks are reasons that you pull off the road and you get, you get out of the car and you stop, and you, you, you take a picture, and you, and you say, look at that moment, and then after that, we're going to get back in the car, and we're going to keep driving. So a landmark is a significant thing, and we choose to recognize certain landmarks in our church. Um, marriage is a landmark. Graduation is a landmark. School starting, we have the blessing of the bags. That's a landmark. We have baptism that's a landmark. Child dedication, that's a landmark. But my favorite one, my absolute favorite one, is when we landmark heartbreak survivors. And as I grew up in church, maybe some of you have a similar story. You heard about traditions that your church had, and you go, well, yeah, we have traditions, and that's what we do. We've always done that, so that's what we're going to continue to do. We do these things. Why do we do them? We do them because that's what we do. And we don't always have a good sense of the why. When we started in 2-1, there was an intentional place that we wanted right at the beginning to say, we wanted to recognize when people do things that are extraordinary. And they're not because they're, um, no one's ever done them before, but because they're incredibly difficult to go through. We know that life is going to have hurt. We already know that. That is a given. Life will always have hurt. There will be circumstances that will arise um, that enable us to know that we're going to have to do something with them. And that's why we have a, a focus uh, on a regular basis that says we are going to overcome, we are going to bear up under, and we're going to come through. That is a repeated mantra that we're here. We don't want you to ever get the sense that things are going to be okay. So today, I want you, oh, that's not a good way to say it at all. Things can be okay, but it's not always going to be perfect. How about that? That's a little better. Sorry to scare you. Uh, <laughs> um, Today I want to recognize a couple. We've only ever done individuals before. Today it's going to, oh no, we did a couple once before too. 
sorry. Um, but today is a, a special couple that we want to give um, special recognition to. I believe when people go through hard things and then we watch for a period of time after that, we watch how they go forward. We want to encourage people who have gone through hard things and then make good choices afterwards. And I know we're not going to get everyone and we can't hit every situation. I'm sorry about that. We, 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 we try to pay attention, but we do miss things. So, sorry. But this situation is, again, extraordinary. Last summer... In August, Rob and Terry Morse had an awful weekend. And in that weekend, um, they saw first one, and then hours later, the second. The, both of their mothers died on the same weekend. And it was, ah, I'm sure you can imagine. It was very, very hard. And, and, our, and our hearts went out to them. Go, this is going to be a defining moment in their life. Whether they want it to be or not, this will define what goes on. And then we watched as they made good choices. They faced what was hard. They gathered together as a family and they uh, encouraged each other. But we watched them choose to make good choices. They chose to commit even more to following God. They chose to commit even more to participating it into one. They chose to say that this circumstance is going to push us in a good direction. We will overcome. We will bear up under. And we will come through. And so there have been tears. There have been hard things. And it doesn't just stop. These things bounce back up. And then in, in April, we had the COVID shutdown. And in that, Rob lost his father as well who contracted COVID. So in less than a year, so much loss, so much change, and their attitude has been exceptional. I don't mean when I say that, that they're perfect and they have no flaw. I'm not saying that whatsoever. None of us is in that situation, but I want to be one who will choose to cheer for the right direction. I want that to be the climate that we exist in, and we make that happen. It's not something that just is going to happen if we don't choose it, but that we would choose to recognize people in this and cheer for them. Cheer together. This is what family does. We stand together in this. And so there, there is something, I learned this from one of my friends. They do this at their church, and I found it to be an extremely powerful thing. And so I wanted to do the same sort of thing, to have a chance for you to respond and say to Rob and Terry words of encouragement. And I realize that most of the audio that comes from this room is not going to be heard. That doesn't mean that we don't say it. They're going to get the idea. And if you are online and if you want to type this, you can type this. Here's the words that we're going to say together. Rob and Terry. We hold you in high regard. You have done a good job. We respect what you're going through. We respect how you've shared that openly with us. You didn't hide it. But we want more people who will exhibit strength of character, 
And we want more people who are now in your position, experienced, expensive experience, to be able to mentor those who are going to face things that are hard. We need to raise up that team, and you are now experienced. We need you to be able to speak into somebody else's life and to provide encouragement. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing. So glad that you're a part of Into One. Perhaps you have something that you'd like to say to us, Rob and Terry. Thanks, Graham. Thank you. Thanks so much for the recognition of heartbreak survivors. 2019 was definitely a tough year for the Morse family. Uh, in August, Terry's mom passed away, and then a few hours after that, my mom passed away. And then we were hit with COVID, and my father caught that in April, and he passed away. Um, Rob and I just want to thank our Intuone family for all your support during this time. Uh, we received emails, cards, uh, meals at the door, hugs, um, pretty much anything we needed during this really difficult time in our lives. And we just thank you for that. Thank you for helping us through that. Um, also, our great faith in our Lord and Savior got us through this time um, because we know where our family members have gone and we will see them again one day in heaven. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, also to our own family, Kristen and Dan, Bradley and Evelyn, and Matthew and Natalie. They were our rocks, and we are a close family, so we got through this together. But there are good times ahead, and we can't wait till we see you all. So thank you again for this. It all feels even more different when we get to, you know, bring them up on the stage and we gather around and we pray for them and we thank them. But we're trying with what we've got. So we want to keep those instructional moments alive because we believe that one of the most important things that we can read in the entire scripture was Jesus' command to love one another. Love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And we believe that is a guiding principle for how we're supposed to live. Not a periodic one that comes up every other, you know, when it's convenient or when we feel particularly mushy or whatever. This is a guiding, undergirding, motivating direction for how we go forward. So that's what we wanted to be able to do. Um, we believe that God is for people. We believe that we saw that when, when Jesus described to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, said, for God so loved the world. And, and because he loved, what did he do? For God so loved the world that he gave, right? It's a description of what does it look like? What do you do in this circumstance? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die, should not have to be separated from God forever, but they could have eternal life. And we so often, we take that verse out of context, we have no idea what the story is around it, and I go, okay, that's why I want to tell you that it's when he was talking to Nicodemus. But the next problem we have is that, you know, you see John 3.16 maybe at a football game, somebody puts up their sign, John 3.16, and people grow up believing that that is the, the summation. And they, they don't have any idea what John 3.17 says. It's just like it doesn't exist. And this is so incredibly important to getting this mindset of what does it mean to love and to live this way? Because Jesus, because he did not come into the world to condemn the world. Is there anybody here 
who has ever felt the sense that they have been condemned by the church. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through what he did. And what he did, he did as love. That's that's the story. And we have not done a good job as a church. I don't mean just our church. I mean the church of being able to to live the John 3.17 part. He did not come in. We did not pick up his mantle to condemn the world. That is not what our mandate is. That is not what we are um, called to do. We are for people because we believe that God is for people. We are for families because we believe that's what God instituted and we want to cheer for families. Families, it gets hard to be in a family sometimes. And families have reconfigured over the years. We want to cheer for families. We want to cheer for relationships, strong, healthy relationships with individuals on a horizontal level that these relationships be good. We want to cheer really loud for the relationship that goes vertical between us and God himself. We, we, we want to cheer for those relationships as people struggle to try and figure out what does it mean to be involved romantically. And that's why we're doing a series called Swipe Right right now because we want to... F- We value these gifts that God has given to us, these relationships. They are incredibly important, and we value them highly. We are for people, for relationships. And to be for, we have to act in a for kind of way. That love that we have been called to show and to give, it gets fleshed out throughout the rest of the New Testament. When you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, you'll find that he regularly gives these things that sometimes people call as commands. These are separate commands, but really what they are is footnotes. Jesus said that we're to love one another. What does it look like to love one another? And so Paul gives us a whole bunch of places where he explains this is what it looks like to love one another. That's what he's doing. And so I I didn't know exactly what to do in that case. And so I'm looking, what does the Bible tell me that I have to do? How do I do what the Bible says? And we start with, we are to love one another. In in the same way that Jesus loved us, that's how we are to love one another. Yeah, But I don't know what that means. And so Paul helped. And one of the best places to find his help in, in a compressed, condensed kind of way is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many people call this the love chapter. And it's where he describes Love And so, so frequently in our world, that has been read at weddings, because weddings is when we talk about love. At least we talk about it when they're getting married. After that, we talk about tolerance. We talk, we talk about survival, right? But love is not just for wedded people. This is how we are to interact together as the church that we would love. And so in 1 Corinthians verse 13, or chapter 13, starting at verse 4, he says, love is patient which is a whole nightmare in itself to to deal with what it means to be patient. But if we get to verse 5, he changes it around and he says, love does not dishonor. So you can flip it around again. Love does honor. So if you want to think of a, just a, a great little handle for this week to say, what am I going to do? How am I going to go forward? What can I be about? How will my love look in these different circumstances? I will choose to honor. Honor my boss. Honor my friend. Honor my child. Honor my spouse. Honor my parents. 
I'm going to try and find honor. And honor in this case doesn't mean defer to and diminish your humanity so that they are supreme and you are a worm. That is not honor. Honor has to come from a place of worth. Otherwise, my honor doesn't mean anything. So I have value. And that's why we said, Robin Terry, we hold you in high regard. We hold you in high esteem. We want to honor them. Because I believe that's a gift that we have at our disposal in our bank that we can transfer to them. We can give them honor and encourage them and at the same time offer honor to all those who are in a place of struggle. Make good choices. Wise choices live with fewer regrets. It it, it has a self-benefiting plan that's in there. So honoring is what we wanted to do um, Real struggles, that's where we live in, okay? Not every day is a good day. If you were allowed to be more vociferous at this point, you could all shout, amen, because every day is not a good day. And I want to be honest, and I want you to be honest going forward. Our goal is not to be perfect, but we want to be in earnest pursuit of Jesus, And I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that I am in earnest pursuit of Jesus. I want it. I want to be inspired. I want to have my heart moved. I want to be transformed in the way that I think and the way that I behave. I want that. It is important to me. I study for it. I work at it. I learn from other people and I still fail. And I still drop the ball. And I know you do too. That's not the end of the story. Some days are hard, but we overcome. We bear up under, and we come through. And one of the things that can help us to focus on that is a constant underlying, undergirding us is the love principle that's there. God loves me is foundational to everything that we do and everything that we say. Because he loves me, I am free to love others. You don't have to but you are free to. And when you pick up your freedom, you will see that your life can be transformed. And one of the ways that we can show love is to honor people. And so that's the one I wanted you to hear today. So I am committed, but I fall. I am interested, but I need reminders. I preach from my heart, but I don't always hit the mark. I fall short. And I don't want to do anything that would perpetuate the lie that my life or that the Christian life in general is problem-free. That is not where we live. But we choose to live where we are. To run the race that's before us, you need to understand that the race that Paul describes, run the race, don't give up. The race that we're running is a marathon and it is not a sprint. And winning at life, winning that race is not about finishing first. It's not about finishing the best. It is about finishing. Coming to the end well. It doesn't matter how somebody else did. We can be encouraged by them. We can encourage them. They don't set our standard. We don't set theirs. 
Now, I can remember 18 years ago, I had a new baby in the house. Merlin was there, and we left the hospital without any manual, obviously had no idea what we were doing, and they let us go. They're negligent. Um, and we had this experience where we have this boy who one day decided that uh, he was going to try and walk. And as parents, you're always about the, how do we help our kids walk? You get the fingers out like this, right? And they've got their little hands on it, right? You know this position, and you try to make the smallest step possible so that they can stumble their way forward, usually leaning, right? They lean forward so far, and they learn to make those first steps. And they take them, and we watch it happen. And there is no parent in the world, I guess I shouldn't say that, there is no good parent in the world who looks at that and says, not good enough. Why are you leaning on me so much? Why can't you just do this by yourself? And then, and then you, you get the fingers away and you, and you, and you, you let him go and you're thinking, he's going to take steps. And you, in your head you're going, how many before he falls, Right? It's completely in your head. Is the ground soft? Do we have cushions? Do we move the coffee table out of the way? And he stumbles forward and he, t- and he takes a step and, oh, oh, this is great. And he's excited and he goes, and then he falls. There is no good parent in the world who at that point says, you are lousy at walking. Why can't you walk better? In fact, get out of the house. You come back to this house when you learn how to walk better. Because I don't know what this is. But as your parent, I am disgusted and I am disappointed in the way that you have not walked well. But as an institution, God have mercy. We have done this so frequently. Someone is learning how to walk. They are trying. And instead of welcoming them and cheering for them, we condemn them. You don't have to agree with what the fall is, right? We cheer for the walk. We cheer for the pursuit. We cheer for the moments that it happens. Because the truth is, we all learn to walk the same way. We all fall down. We all slip. But the walk is ongoing. We learn a little better how to take a couple more steps. And, and then as we go, we, we, we learn that we don't, we don't always have to stumble. But as we, we do, we try new things. And as we try new things, sometimes that brings about a different kind of a fall. I was, I was jumping too much. I, th- I thought I could go farther than I really could. I, I leapt and I didn't quite land and we fall later in life. Well, it, it doesn't mean that everything's over, right? We're cheering for the walk. We're cheering for the path. We're cheering for the whole thing. And so we don't ignore, we don't not care about the fall, the struggle. But we're cheering for the walk. We're cheering for the path. Our goal is to love. How do we help in that circumstance? Sometimes people need to be helped up. Sometimes they need medical care. Sometimes they're going to need spiritual care. 
Sometimes they're going to need to be counseled. Sometimes they're going to need to be trained. Sometimes they're going to need to be taught, given examples. But we're cheering for the walk. We're cheering for the path. It's a long, long path. It's a marathon. And the goal is to finish it. Not to finish it first. And not to finish it best. But to keep going. To get back up after we fall down. When we fall down. And to stand together in that time and to not look around as if you're the one who does it right. And I can't believe that they struggle with this sin that, frankly, I don't struggle with at all. I don't know why that sin is so bad for them. I don't know why they do that. Because I'm not tempted in any way to do that thing. But I got plenty of my own. And so it's a way that we're going to choose to look at each other. To be on this road trip means that we are there to cheer for the walk to cheer for the whole path. That's where we're going. And it's all about getting back up and taking next steps. That's why I have loved, if you haven't started watching with us on the watch party, that's why I love The Chosen. And that's why I've encouraged you to watch it. And here's what I love about it. And I have seen more episodes than you have, okay? So give me some space. But I love the disciples in it. Because for some reason, after all of my years of Bible school and after all my years of being in church, it had a hard time sinking in. The disciples weren't perfect. One day, they were not disciples. They were just guys. And they had life. And they had their own problems in their life. They had their own hang-ups. They had their own things. And then one day... They met Jesus, and in that moment, Jesus said, come and follow me. And when they began, began to follow, they became disciples. They never became perfect. And for me, I don't know why that seemed like such a big deal, but over here, I can fully identify with you. You're a regular guy who's got his struggles. Yeah, that must have been hard. And then for me, there was something that happened. Oh, but you became a disciple. And you got the halo around your head. You don't really touch the ground when you walk. This is what it must be like. No, they were still the same guy as they were right here. But now they were choosing to follow. They were increasingly learning to put their trust in this teacher, Jesus, but they were still getting to know him. And they didn't know how it would affect their life and what changes they would have to make, but they took another step. And then some of the, the old messages that they had heard before, all the time they grew up, they blurt them back out. And Jesus patiently says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And they go, oh, oh, that's different. And they are in the midst of being transformed by the renewing of their minds. And, and more time goes on, and you know what? They're still being transformed by the renewing of their minds. There wasn't a magic moment when they stepped over into fully transformed. And I love the way that the chosen, the, the, the series has drawn that out. We see the internal struggles. We see the changes. I know Jesus says that, and I want to follow him, and I want to be like him, but I still got my stuff. I got my history I got things that I can't forget about. I got things that I was brought up with. And so we learn that the process of this life, this walk, this journey, this road trip takes steps. 
And what we learn is that whatever step you take was a great one. But you know what's next? The next step. None of us is done. None of us is finished. We are all being transformed by the renewing of our mind because we're not done yet. There is a yet. It's called heaven. Until then, we are being transformed. We are growing in likeness to Christ. And so what we have tried to do it into one is to encourage four next steps. I want to encourage you to join the road trip. If you are not part of it, I want you to join. You don't have to believe everything we believe to start to belong to the group. To join the road trip, you don't have to have it all settled. You can start now with all of your questions full of doubt. You're going to have doubts again later, so don't worry so much about it. But you can start that process of being in pursuit of Jesus. And when you are in pursuit of him, you will be being transformed. Your mind will be being renewed. It's ongoing. And we want to help you take next steps. And when someone takes a next step, we cheer for their next step. The little guy's caught another one. Yeah, you got to five this time. That's amazing. We don't expect perfection. We expect pursuit. And that pursuit has to do with overcoming, bearing up under, and coming through. There will always be opposition, and together we cheer for people who make the next step. So our goal, we've set up a, a site, a page on our, our website, into one. Uh, .ca that's all about next steps. Things that you can do that will help you go from where you are to where you can go. We want to help you. And we don't know what the next step for you is. They're not the same for everyone else. So there are things that are given as options. But you have to participate in the choosing for yourself. Where is an area that you need to grow? To make it easier for everyone, we have developed this year a plan. And I told you hint about it last week. It's not a plan as in, we've got a wonderful plan for your life. It's an opportunity. And here's the thing with opportunities, whether they come from the church or from anywhere else, you have the opportunity to opt in and you always have the opportunity to opt out. No one can make you do it. If we did, you wouldn't be doing it anyways. You must choose it. It must be from your heart. So last week I told you to start to sign up for a bow. A bow is the Advent Bag of Wonder. And the Advent Bag of Wonder is just a way that we are trying to help you, equip you to take some next steps between now and the end of 2020. And we thought Christmas is a wonderful time to focus on that because many people move towards a countdown anyways. Advent is a way to describe the coming of, the anticipation of, we recognize the darkness and the need of a Savior that gets um, lit up Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, when we celebrate the birth of Christ. But until that point, there's a countdown. And so we have before you today examples of a bag of wonder. And we have one of these with your name on it if you've signed up. That's not true. We probably have a couple more that are not signed up yet. But if you haven't signed up yet, please sign up for an Advent Bag of Wonder. Here they are. And what we're going to try and do with these is to give you tools to help you count down till Christmas. You can opt in. You can opt out. You can look at any of the things that we put in this bag and you say, that's dorky. 
I don't need to do that. That's not going to help. I got this. I'm all fine all by myself. And you go, more power to you. We're going to cheer for your next step, whatever it is. But if you can take some of the things that we give you with the understanding of why we're giving them to you, then you can help yourself take a next step. But more than that, if we can share these experiences together, you can help somebody else take a next step because you can feel like you're part of a movement. There are more than just you going in that direction. So in these bags, you are going to get candles because Advent is marked by the lighting of candles. It's a ceremonial thing. It's a ritual kind of thing. It's symbolic. And you can have that because we want you to have it in your own home so that you can do this. So in this bag, you will get a pillar, and you will get a little wreath, and you will get four tea lights, one tea light per week as we count down. And you can take the stuff there, set it up in your own house so that you can have an Advent spot, that you can have a reminder that I'm counting down and I'm anticipating. Now, along with those things, there's also going to be instructions. Here is what we're going to be talking about in this week. And we've got it laid out for you. This week, we're going to talk about this, but then we have a next step. We were going to include in here action steps. Not the only actions you can take, but here's a suggestion. Small, little steps. This week, I will step forward and I will do this part. Always your choice. You can opt in or you can opt out. You can say it's no big deal or you can choose to make it something significant. You have that kind of power. There are more things in here that will be... uh, festive, shall we say, more happy, happy times that are also in here. And if you sign up, then we'll have the name of people who are in your group, your family. And we'll ask you the ages of those people because we want to tailor a gift to you, to them. And we want to make it somewhat age appropriate so that no 28-year-old will get a soother. We want to try and make these things somewhat relevant to the age that you are, the age and the stage, because we want to cheer for you. We are for you. We want you to experience Christmas perhaps in a way that you haven't before because we have had more darkness this year than we are accustomed to, and the original coming of Jesus was so filled with darkness that his light made such an enormous difference. We want that to be your experience. I know that this is not magic, but you can make it significant. You have that kind of power inside you to make this a significant thing. An experience for you where you connect with, where you take steps towards your God. And and I know that we don't all get together, and and I miss miss seeing you so much. I, I miss the chance for you to see each other so much, but for right now, this is where we are. How will we capitalize on where we are? How will we say we took advantage of what we had been given, we didn't get pushed around by what we had? We get to choose how we will interact. We get to choose what we will do with it. We get to choose how we will respond. And we can take this time as an opportunity, a God-given opportunity that no one who's living has ever lived through anything like this before. We can take that as an opportunity and we can grasp that and we can say, thank you, Jesus, for choosing me in this season to make a difference. I will choose to make that difference. 
I will choose to engage in such a way that I will not accept what I'm simply being told and I will respond in a way that says, God is still on the throne. He is still in charge. I know that it doesn't look like it down here, but he is changing my life. And because that can't stop, I've got to do this. I've got to respond in some sort of a way and not let somebody else tell you this is how you've got to feel. You get to choose how you think. You get to choose how you behave. And that's what we want to encourage you to do, to take those next steps, even though they're hard, because there's so much that's telling you to feel bad, to be worried, to be concerned. There's so much that's coming in like that, but we want you to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus and be wise. That whatever comes your way, you will be able to face. We delight in and display the love of God. That is part of our mission. That the world may know. That the world may know that God loves them, that Jesus died for them. And when God said he loved them, and when Jesus came to die for them because he loved them, he didn't come to bring judgment upon them because they needed to be told that they were naughty. He said, I know that it's a problem. I know that this is incredibly difficult for you. I came to provide a way of salvation. Yes, yes, you are in the midst of hard things, but yes, we can also change them. Yes, you have to change the way you're going to behave. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as you continue to be being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you are going to find that your lifestyles need to adjust. But it's an ongoing thing. And that's a relational thing with God. Our message is to make sure that people know that God loves them and that Jesus died for them and he came to provide a way of salvation. That's what we're trying to do. And to do that, we have to experience that. We have to live in it as well. And so that's why we need you to take next steps. That's why we put together a bow the Advent Bag of Wonder, to open a doorway for you to take some next steps. If you don't know what to do right now, come with us and let's do this together. Let's celebrate that together. You keep choosing who you will be by the individual choices that you make. Every day you make thousands of them, and every time you make a decision, you get to shape who you are going to be, who you are becoming. We want to help you make better decisions so that you can live with fewer regrets. And we want you to choose to become the person that you really want to become and not find out later on that I just became this person because of the choices I made in a moment. That's why we want to cheer for you for the whole path, the whole way down. Go! Don't give up. There's a harvest of righteousness waiting for you if you just don't give up. I want to take you through a time of communion. If you don't have one of these communion kits and you're with us right now, I believe that we can uh, have Sarah bring them to you if you need one. Just maybe put up your hand. If uh, she sees that, she'll come. For those of you who have never used one of these things before, they have a multi-layer opening. Top piece comes off and reveals the wafer. There's a second opening. comes and reveals the juice. can be a little bit tricky. So you have in one convenient package all you need for communion today. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the uh, church in Corinth, he was trying to help them figure out what they were, they were doing, and they'd, they'd messed up a bunch of things about being together well. And so he wrote a lot of Corinthians trying to teach them how to be together well, how to worship 
together well. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's just part of the letter that he wrote, but we break it up for our convenience. He said to them, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. So if you want to open up there and if you're at home, your cracker, your bread, your Dorito. He took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And taking the bread at that point and ripping it was a very visceral kind of thing, a very visual kind of thing. It was torn. This is my body and then it was torn. This is what's going to happen to me. It was torn, ripped apart. There was an image there that was so strong. An offering made for you. And then he prayed and he said, Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for a way of salvation that you have provided. Thank you for the gift that we have of hope. The gift that we have of forgiveness. To be freed from the weight of all the falling downs. To be freed from the weight of all the skinned knees. God, thank you for the possibility of forgiveness given to us through Jesus. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And we have talked plenty about what the new covenant is. The old covenant is the Old Testament. It's called the Old Covenant. And the covenant they referred to the, the Mosaic covenant, the one that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and then the other 627 commands that went with it. A, a covenant that said, if you will, then I will. If you don't, then I won't. That's the old covenant. The new covenant was, if you believe in me, I will. But I will love you regardless. I will love you despite. But right relationship comes through Jesus. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so when we take these, we choose to remember Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when we proclaim the Lord's death, we proclaim what is known as the gospel, which is another way of saying the good news, that God loves you and that Jesus died for you and we exist that the world may know these things and that he didn't come to judge, he came to save. And we celebrate that with communion. It's a chance for us to look at our lives right now and say, is there anything that I need to reevaluate? Is there anything that I need to repent of, to turn away from and walk away? Because if there is, this is a great time to do it. Why put it off? So Lord Jesus, thank you for the cup. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the gift of your life that paid the penalty for all of the things that I have done, all of the things that I have yet to do that displease you, that fall short of the mark. Thank you for the gift of hope, freedom, peace, grace, love. Thank you for the honor that you showed to me when you chose to die 
in my place. We want to remember you as we celebrate this. And there's a solemn part of this, which is, I need to evaluate myself right now. For those things that you are bringing to our mind, Holy Spirit, I give you, uh, welcome you to be to free to speak to those in this room and to what, wherever my voice is going right now, Holy Spirit, that you would bring about conviction, conviction towards righteousness, that we might have a sense of these things and then repent of them, say that we're sorry and then walk away from them. Hear us as we repent before you. And then we accept your forgiveness. We accept that gift that you offered to us. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If that is where we are, then the condemnation has been wiped aside and we stand in right relationship before you. What a gift. Lord Jesus, thank you. We do remember you. And we do ask that once again you would be active in our life as we are running in earnest pursuit of you. Continue to transform us by the renewing of our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You take the bread. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done and for what you continue to do in me. Please, I beg, be at work in the lives of my friends as well. You are holy. Make us holy also.